Warning. The Not Real Art Podcast is intended for creative audiences only. The Not Real Art Podcast celebrates creativity and creative culture worldwide. It contains material that is fresh, fun and inspiring and is not suitable for boring old art snobs. Now, let's get started and enjoy the show. Greetings and salutations, my creative brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Not Real Art Podcast, where we celebrate creative culture and the artists who make it. I'm your host, Sourdough, coming to you from Crew West Studio in Los Angeles. Man, do we have a cool program for you all today. I have no doubt you will learn, grow, and be inspired by today's show. Before we get into our main event, I want to thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to like this episode and subscribe. Your likes and follows help ensure you won't miss any of our new shows, and it makes the algorithm gods happy, which helps us. So thanks for that. Also, be sure to visit our website, notrealart.com. Sign up for our newsletter to keep your finger on the pulse of everything we're doing here at Not Real Art for artists and our lovers. A lot of great stuff there. On the website, you'll see you'll get uh, free educational videos. You can sign up for our artist grant for the chance to receive two thousand dollars. Can buy affordable original contemporary art through our partnership with Sugar Press. And you can become a supporter through Patreon if you want. So be sure to check out our website today for all the good, healthy stuff we got for you. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, today we're talking about higher education in the creative arts. Specifically, we're talking about my alma mater, Columbia College, Chicago, where I graduated way back in 1994 with a double major in graphic design and arts management. Joining me today in the discussion is the fabulous Sarah Schroeder. Director of Alumni Relations for Columbia Chicago out here on the West Coast. Sarah is fantastic. She too is an alum of Columbia College and she's become a good friend of mine over the years. So I'm so happy to have her. It's worth pointing out that on today's podcast, what you're about to hear, Sarah and I talk about really amounts to a Columbia College love fest. There's no shame here. <laughs> we are all about it. And you'll hear all about it because we think Columbia College was really great to us. And we believe it could be really great for anyone serious about a life working in the creative arts, whether it's visual arts, graphic design, fashion design, performance art, dance, theater, comedy, digital design, gaming, AR, VR, creative writing, storytelling, filmmaking, production, TV, radio, you name it. If you're creative or aspire to be, Columbia College Chicago is a great place to learn and master your craft. But don't just take my word for it. You can ask countless of Emmy Award winners and nominees, all who graduated from Columbia College. You can also talk to celebrities like SNL cast member A.D. Bryant, who was a graduate. You can even talk to a couple of little hip hop artists you might have heard of, Kanye West and Common, both of whom attended Columbia on their way to becoming the legends that they are. So. Now, without further ado, let's get into this conversation with the one and only Sarah Schroeder, Director of Alumni Relations at Columbia College, Chicago. Sarah Schroeder, welcome to the Not Real Art Podcast. Hey, thanks for How having me. How are you? I'm good. How are you? 
Oh, I'm better now. We finally, you know, after all these, I don't know, months and months and months and months and months of talking about this, yeah. we are here together now tonight and I am grateful. Yeah, me too. I'm excited. Fantastic. So where are we finding you? It's eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. You have been so generous to coordinate and accommodate my crazy schedule. I know you have a crazy schedule. It's 8 p.m. at night here after a long day for both of us. Mm. Are you recording this from the comfort of your bed, I hope? I'm sitting on the couch. Okay. Yeah, after just marathon toddler time. But marathon time. That's right. See, that's yeah. the thing. One of the cool things that we yeah. have in common, besides <laughs> all of the other amazing stuff we have in common, like Columbia College. Shout out Columbia College. Yes. We are also parents. And really good parents, I would have to say. Oh, the best. We're the best parents. <laughs> best parents ever. At least you are. I'm making it up as I go. I don't know well, how you, you have how, two, <laughs> which is a little bit more difficult, I think. Well, I mean, it's it's double trouble, right? As they say, yeah. but we haven't split the man-on-man defense. So we still have two kids, two parents, man-on-man defense, man-on-man coverage. That's a good thing. You know, that third child really <laughs> would have been exponentially yeah. more problematic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hats off to parents who go that far, but that's yes. not in the cards for me. <laughs> no. Nope. Nope, nope. I had to be the be the bad guy too. My daughter was advocating hard for a baby sister. She got a baby brother. She wanted a baby mm-hmm. sister. I kind of had to be the bad guy and just say, <laughs> "Honey, daddy's tired. <laughs> daddy's old. Daddy's tired. <laughs> I think I'm gonna yeah. hang out my cleats here on the parenting and, and cap it at two. So anyway, yeah. When you have kids in your 40s, it's just a whole different ball game. Well, you're emotionally prepared, right? Yes. I mean, the emotional intelligence at 40 is is far greater, I think, hopefully, than at 20 or in the 20s. But the physical, the physical, the stamina and endurance is less <laughs> at 40 than in, in your 20s. So. Just yes. the back breaking. Yeah. Yes. Th- thus the coffee, right? Thus the, yeah. the constant uh, caffeine injections to keep the keep it going. But Sarah Schroeder, I am so grateful to have you here. We connected because of our mutual love for Columbia College, Chicago, my alma mater, and you as as Western Director of Alumni Re- Relations. Uh, do I have that title right? Western Director uh, of Alumni well, it, Relations? it's Director of Alumni Relations West Coast. West Coast. Okay. Yes. And Columbia is my alma mater as well. Of course it is. They yes. wouldn't want they wouldn't want uh, <laughs> you representing if you didn't if you weren't one of the converted. No, it um, definitely helps. Definitely. Now, t- so what year did you graduate? Two thousand. Two thousand. Okay. And what did you study? My degree is in what is now cinema and television arts, but back then it was called film and video. My concentration right. was history and aesthetics. So I took all of like the film theory classes, all the really cool classes where you would go and watch a movie every week and analyze it and you write papers about it. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So you you graduated with that degree and then proceeded to do nothing with it. I don't know. What did you do? Well, well I, yeah, I moved to LA immediately and I did our semester yeah. in LA program and we had a guest speaker who was a talent agent and his assistant happened to be leaving right as our class was ending and he hired me to be his assistant. So I did work in the industry for a couple years, first at that agency and then in casting for a little bit and then in talent management for right. a little bit. And then 
this job came along and I vacated assistant life and went to uh, director of alumni relations. Yeah. How did that happen? I mean, they just, did you see that job come up and you said, oh, that sounds interesting. Or did they track you down? And they say, wait a minute, you're in LA. We love you. Like you're the perfect rep for us back in LA. Like how did that happen? Well, you know, I was of course in LA and the person who had this job before me was actually part-time. And I would go to the alumni events and got to know some people. And then when he was leaving his job because he wanted to pursue his own filmmaking, he suggested I throw my hat in the ring. So I did. They came out here and I mean, they interviewed 10 people and I made the cut. So yeah, yeah, that's how it happened. But you know, I think it just happened because I, I was so passionate about the school and I was very young at the time. And then I was attending alumni events and getting to know the people and I was excited. And I think they right. were just like, let's grab this young woman. Yeah, right. Right on. And you've been in this position, what, 16 years now? 18 and a half. Yeah. Wow. But December who's counting, of right? 2002. That's... I know. I know. It is. I know whenever I tell people I've been in one job for this long, it's just people are blown away. Well, it's so unusual, right? Mm -hmm. It's a testament to Columbia, obviously, for being the kind of place that people love to work at and want to stick around. Mm -hmm. And it's a testament to Columbia for hanging on to good people, nurturing good people, not letting good people go. It's also a testament to you in terms of just your obviously passion for the work and passion for the school and, and faithfulness in your work. And I'm sure on a certain level, a job like yours, not just feeds the bellies, but feeds the soul, right? Because you're helping to place young kids, graduates, you know, into jobs and internships and things. And so that's very meaningful work. So it must feel really good. It really does. I mean, there's been so many circumstances and experiences throughout my position with the school where it's just been so rewarding. And it's not just helping young people find their way in the entertainment industry, which countless, countless times have I made the connection so that somebody could get their start and to see people grow in their careers. Just remembering them when they were like young, hungry students is really just one of the most remarkable experiences that I can think of in my job. And of course, it's like I also work with people that are very established in their careers, getting to work with Emmy winners, Oscar winners, it's exciting. It's really fun. And I, you know, I really kind of always just wanted to be around the entertainment industry anyway. I find that I, this is probably much better suited for my personality than having to work that grind of a job. I mean, assistant life just wasn't for me. This is much better suited to my sensibilities, just getting to work with a wide range of, of people that are doing amazing, amazing things. Absolutely. Well, you know, another reason why staying in one job is for 18 years is fascinating. I'm remembering my commencement night, July of 94. Yes. Because I took a couple of years off, a little bit of a sabbatical. I transferred to Columbia from Indiana University, but took some time off anyway. So I graduated July of 94. And I remember that night vividly because of something that the commencement speaker said, and I can't tell you who the commencement speaker was, <laughs> but I do remember <laughs> something they said, which really struck me. 
And it went something like this. They said, uh, congratulations for graduating. Your class statistically can, based on the data, based on what we know, we can tell you that be prepared because in your career, you know, because we I, what was I, 24 at the time, but you're know, getting started, right? So they were saying, in everybody's, the course of everyone's career, you're likely to change jobs eight to 10 times and careers three to five times. Yeah, that sounds very familiar. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, that's exactly what happened for so many. And of course, now we live in a gig economy and now it's, it's, it's rare, arguably, for a person or people to stay in a job, maybe like my parents did for 30 years or something and what have you. And so it's fantastic that obviously Columbia is a wonderful place to work and, and you can hang a hat there and build a life there over 18 years. And speaking for myself, I, I can say that I didn't change careers three to five times. Mm-hmm. I've essentially stayed in what I call visual communications broadly. Right, it's called visual mm-hmm. communication. Changed jobs several times within that, but I I've always been in a creative field in specifically kind of visual communications. So for me, myself and I, it was you know I I perhaps was less transitory than some. But this is the era we live in. We live in in an era of freelance and an era of gigs. What is Columbia telling graduates now as they embark on their careers after graduation? Well, you know, there's just not one thing that we can tell our graduates. Sure. You know, I'm sure that I'm going to tell the graduates something very different than what a fiction faculty member will tell their students. But the overall is that they are earning a degree for creatives. Like Columbia is a college for creatives. And the degree that they earn can take them any number of places. And a lot of our alumni have an experience that's very typical to yours, Scott, where they don't necessarily change careers, but they do change jobs a lot. And even the those who do change careers, they tell me that they use their Columbia degree every single day. I have know an alum who is a air traffic controller at LAX with a degree in film directing. And he said it translates and he uses the skills that he got at Columbia directing films every day, directing airplanes. And it's, you know, it's just something that we hear all the time where a degree from Columbia is really going to, it could take you really almost anywhere. Well, again, speaking for myself, one of the things that I really appreciated of the many things I appreciated going to Columbia, graduating from Columbia, was that I really felt like it prepared me for the real world more so than than maybe other schools. My degree was in graphic design and arts management. I had a double major with a focus in music business. And my professors were no nonsense. They didn't coddle us. They told it to us straight, which by the way, may be out of favor these days. I don't know that students these days would appreciate just how tough some of my professors were. But you know what? I appreciated it. Because these were working professionals. They would often come from their jobs working in advertising or marketing or design or whatever the job they might have had. Because several of my teachers were full-time teachers, but many were part-time teachers and they had full-time jobs in their field. And they didn't candy coat it. They didn't coddle us. They prepared me for the real world. I mean, when I left Columbia, I really had a sense of the fact that I was going to have to hustle and I was going to have to work hard and I was going to have to focus and I was going to, it was going to be competitive and there was going to be people 
out there looking for my job and wanting, you know, that when you have 500 people competing for the same job, it's very competitive. It's very tough. And, and say nothing of the fact that Columbia College is right in the heart of the city of Chicago, which, of course, right. you know, just going to and from class, you're having to navigate the jungle, the, the iron concrete jungle, <laughs> hoping not to be, you know, hit by a city bus in the process. So it is this very real world experience of, you know, living in a hustling, bustling, world-class city like Chicago, going to school there, and then having teachers and professors, at least for me, that were really honest and frank and candid and tough love. I called it tough love. I'm sure that there are faculty who are, that have that philosophy of tough love, but you are right. Students today, they're a little bit more nurtured. And I mean, I, I really appreciate that. I appreciate our teachers who will just make sure that our students are emotionally capable of navigating the real world once mm -hmm. they graduate. But one of the best things about Columbia is the fact that we get working professionals as faculty members. They are some of our most outstanding teachers you can possibly imagine. Being in LA, I don't get to campus that often, so I'm not really ingratiated with the entire faculty, but I am sure that there are faculty members who are telling it like it is and probably scaring the pants off of some of these kids. Yeah. And we mean uh, that in the best way for anyone of listening. Course. <laughs> you of know, course. It's, it's like I say, it's like tough love. I mean, they they want their kids to succeed in the in the world, and the world isn't uh, often a fair and just place as we all know all too well and yeah. to go out with realistic expectations about what it's going to take to succeed but really is i think the purpose of college and university if the Agreed. graduates are prepared for the real world then what value is there well you have to be prepared for the real world when i was there actually i took a class on film criticism and the teacher mm -hmm. the first day said you have to get a review published in a paper or you're gonna fail <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, <laughs> uh, yeah, on. it Pressure's was a on. lot of pressure, but yeah. I think most of the students in the class made it happen because, yes. yeah, I mean, it was just like fight or flight on the That's first right. day, That's but yeah, right. you know, you were in arts management, which is now business and entrepreneurship and that that's like our business school. So that's where, you know, a lot of the business education takes place. And it's, of course, all geared towards the creative field. But these days, every single major has business classes that are required. So Columbia is putting in a lot of effort to make sure that our students know how to write up a business plan, have their portfolios together, and can negotiate their salaries. So there are business courses that are required for every major now. We're preparing the students in that way for sure. Yeah, well, that's that's fantastic. But it's true to the legacy and the tradition of the school. I mean, the school is founded on that ethos. That's great that it's 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 just finding ways to build on that and improve on that. Certainly uh, in a world where creatives are freelance or they're independent contractors or they're working gigs. And when that's the case, you're a small business and you better know how to manage that, that mm -hmm. business. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so in the visual art world, which I do a lot of work in, as you know, there's an interesting debate going on among visual artists 
about whether or not uh, MFA is worth the money, mm-hmm. right? And of course, this bumps into the bigger debate about the the rising costs of of higher education uh, mm-hmm. in in the marketplace now. Columbia College isn't the most expensive, but it's not the least expensive because it's about what is it now? About sixteen grand a semester with room and board. It's twenty five around twenty five. Right. A semester. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And I will say we look at our peer institutions, which are places like Emerson College or RISD or Savannah College of Art and Design. And you have to look at getting the most bang for your buck. And I'm telling you, Scott, I will put our alumni list up against anybody else's alumni list and and be very proud to do so because we are putting out just the most some of the most creative, talented, ambitious people into the creative fields in the world. I mean, yeah, people are just like, well, I have all this college debt. I've got student loans. It's very expensive. And yes, absolutely. College is going to be expensive. But I would not say don't go to college. I would say definitely it's your education is an investment in yourself and it's an investment in your entire career. And it also comes down to like, we also need to be supporting the students and these, the talented young people that are coming to the school. We need to be supporting them with things like scholarships. That's why I, I do what I do so that I can help our current students stay in school, graduate, and come out into the world and, and make their mark. So what do you think is the, the debate against going to school? For me, it's, it's turned out to be a wonderful thing. You mm-hmm. know, I graduated with some debt. I think my total loan, student loans coming out of college was 32K when I paid that off over 10 years or something. And, you know, it was totally manageable given the the jobs I had, I think. And I'm, I'm no expert on the issue by a long shot. The example that I mentioned, you know, in terms of visual art is MF, with MFA. Yes. So if you can imagine that an MFA costs, I don't know, a hundred grand. Yeah. Right. And we're living in a world where visual artists now have democratizing tools like the internet and digital marketing and being able to sell their work and make money direct to consumer day one. And so they're given a choice. It's like, well, do I go to graduate school and spend a hundred grand and get an MFA in the hopes of mm-hmm. getting a, a blue chip gallery to represent me? Or do I just start a business and sell my art directly to consumers and make money versus spend money? And so in that context, there's a reasonable debate to be had as to the relative value of, a, of an MFA at a hundred grand when you're an artist who doesn't have a guaranteed income. I mean, you don't, you know, like a visual artist, you may never get that blue chip gallery and it's always going to be a struggle. If you're a graphic designer or you're a, you're a writer or maybe an editor or something, you may can go get a full-time job, right? That's going to pay the bills and help you pay your school loan. It's a little bit of an unfair question, I guess, or apples and oranges. Let me be clear. And on the record, I am so glad that I invested in my education at Mm -hmm. Columbia. I'm remembering, maybe I have an unconventional 
thought of it, but I personally, I was excited about going to Columbia College for the networking opportunities. Uh, I knew Smart. that not only not yeah, not only was I going to get great education and learn a hell of a lot from really smart, accomplished people, but but I was going to meet really accomplished, successful, connected people who I could build my network with. And when you're in college and you're young, you're twenty something, what you know, whatever, you you don't have a network. You have to build that over time. And Columbia really allowed me to do that, as well as, of course, Columbia being in Chicago, which also gave me opportunities to do further networking versus saying being in Savannah, Georgia at SCAD. And I love SCAD, don't get me wrong, but you're out there kind of on the East Coast in beautiful Savannah, Georgia. Your network is going to be pretty limited in many ways. Right. I will say that just going back to the MFA situation, to me, an MFA and a bachelor's those are two entirely different things. And you're yes. right. For a, for a visual artist, I mean, you got to do a lot of soul searching to come to the conclusion that you're going to drop $100,000 or whatever it is to yep. pursue a master's degree when on the flip side, you could start your career and make money and sell your work. But you're actually, I mean, kudos to you to 20-year-old you for even realizing how valuable networking is going to be. I didn't have that in mind as a freshman going into college, that networking was going to be so necessary and college is where I would get that. So you're absolutely right in that. you. I mean, you see it all the time. You see Columbia alumni who are working together, who are coming up together and and there's a producer and they hire a director and they, it's just the Columbia network is really strong. And I hear all the time where somebody's at an office or they're on a set and it's like, oh, I met this person. They went to Columbia or the entire camera department is Columbia alumni. Yeah. So the, I mean, networking is absolutely vital. And using the Columbia network is, I mean, I've seen it work wonders for many people time and again. So to instill that in students is imperative. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to probably have you come in and talk to some students. Love to. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. You know, I remember after college, cause right after college, I, I was, I freelanced, I freelanced for several years and I freelanced in part because I also love to travel. And so I would work, I would freelance, I'd make a bunch of money, and then I'd go travel. <laughs> I'd spend that money, and then I'd come back, That's freelance awesome. more. So freelance was my life for a few years after college. But I remember one night at the apartment, I'd lived with a couple of other artists. I don't know if we were having a little bit of a party or what, but there was uh, some people at the house. And this one woman who's yeah, I call her woman, but I actually remember her being fairly young. I could tell she was one of these like kids with attitude and a bit of a rock and roll attitude and and maybe a felony or two. I don't know. Yeah, she sounds <laughs> cool. But yeah, she's very cool. Um <laughs> however, she looked at my incredibly cynical for being, you know, 19 or 20. And she looked at my diploma because I had my Columbia College diploma framed on the wall there in my bedroom by my computer. And she looks at this, she looks at the diploma, she points at it. She's like, what good is that? Wow. And, you know, real, real bad attitude, right? Wow. And I go, my my college diploma? She's like, yeah, why spend the money? Wow. And 
I said to her, I said, well, that isn't a diploma. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I said, that's a key. And she looked at me and I said, that is a key that will unlock doors that could never be unlocked if I didn't have it. So whereas you might think that it's a waste of money or that college isn't worth it or whatever, I'm telling you that having a bachelor's degree from a reputable school gives you a key to open doors that would never be open to you otherwise. So I encourage you <laughs> to think about this and 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 I you know, who knows whatever happened to this kid. Right, but right. but you wow. know, but that's the truth. Like no matter where you come from or what the situation is, an investment in knowledge, an investment in education, and then a certificate or a piece of paper that shows that you finished, that you cleared those hurdles, that you jumped through those hoops, that you proved yourself worthy is a badge of honor that is bankable. You can monetize that. And it does open doors and gives you a language. You know, that's the other thing. I've often talked about college giving when you have a degree or when you have expertise, you have a language and you can speak that language with other people who can speak it. And they know that you're one of them and they know that you're credible and they know that you have legitimacy. And so that's what I feel like Columbia did for me. It gave me legitimacy. I love that story. That's so cool. And you're, yeah, you're spot on. I mean, you, the alumni network is, the community is just amazing. And to have a key to that community, I can't even stress it enough how valuable that is. And I talk to the semester in LA students whenever they come out, they will be coming back out in the fall. But I, you know, I talk to every class and I tell them about, we have over 4,000 Columbia alumni who live in the Los Angeles area. And they're here for the same reason they are. They are in the entertainment industry in some way. And I do get alums who will contact me and say, hey, I need to do this. I need to meet this type of person. Can you connect me? And nine times out of 10, I'll 100% be able to get the connection. For example, I just had an alum who was He's a comedy writer and he wanted to write for animation and needed to just bounce some ideas off of a development executive in animation just so that he would know that he's doing his pitches right, his package is correct, his writing samples are what animation executives are looking for. And I was able to put him together with an animation executive at Nickelodeon. So on a weekly basis, if not more than more than once a week. It happens all the time, just trying to put these pieces together. And then, of course, I just tell people, go to LinkedIn and spend hours researching. You're going to find a huge list of Columbia alumni that you can be directly connected with who are going to have solid advice for you. And our alums are pretty cool. Most of the time, if you reach out to them, they're going to be open to at least having a conversation or answering a few questions. And when you have one question about your career that only a specific person can answer and they answer it, that's tremendously valuable. I mean, that allows you to take that next step to pursue what you need to pursue to succeed. Yep. Yeah. It gets back to that network and whether you've built it intentionally or not, being a, an alum or being a graduate of Columbia College, you inherit a network of fellow uh, classmates, 
that are out there in the world. And I venture to say nine out of 10, if not 10 out of 10 of those alums would take your call if you simply said, I also graduated from Columbia College and I'm a junior. I'm, ju- I'm just getting started. Would you please mm-hmm. talk to me and answer some questions? I venture to say nine, if not 10 out of 10 of those people would take your call. Absolutely. I have found that people love sharing their stories and just love sharing the the successes and the pitfalls of what they've done in their career. They love people love sharing that stuff. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So I'm going to spin this into a kind of a fun part, which you may or may not know the answer to off the cuff, but you might. Okay. Um, but I have to ask, I have to ask because I think there's probably somebody listening that might be wondering this themselves, but graduate or non-graduate, so it's like a two-part question or whatever. Okay. So graduate or non-graduate, who is the most famous person to attend Columbia College? Well, this is going to be different for everybody. Well, for a lot of people, because Kanye West took classes at Columbia. Uh, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a good one. And Pat Sajak, that's going to be, ah, I love you it. know, yeah, he's another good one. And then for millennials, I would say Lena Waithe is the most famous or A.D. Yes. Bryant, She's you know, amazing. star of Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Kanye did not graduate, but everybody else did. So those right. are, well, I would say, famous. Is that good? <laughs> I think that's a pretty damn good list. It's a good that list. is, that is a, good a very good list and an eclectic list, right? Like, exactly. like that's 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 <laughs> in a very eclectic list, and I think that's another thing to point out about Columbia is that you meet everybody. It just feels like there's somebody from every corner of the earth <laughs> at Columbia. Mm-hmm. It is truly an eclectic student body. Absolutely. I could name names for half an hour, maybe longer. Yeah. You want to go well, more? Well, and depending common. to your point, right? Well, <laughs> well, well, common, yes. you know, amazing, right? Those are names that that because of their they're on camera, right? Yes. So, so to speak. So people know them and those are like easy recognizable. But if for those people behind the camera, we okay. have countless number of famous accomplished for sure professionals who are doing production, who are doing editing, who are doing design, who are doing, you know, like in every field, there are noteworthy celebrities, whether you know their names or not. Yes. And I would say we have a lot more of those than we have celebrity alumni. Yeah, right. Actually, someone you might run in the same circle with, the president of music at Warner Brothers is a Columbia alum, Paul Brusak. Paul Garns, he's Ava DuVernay's producer. He's just, yeah. Fun. I mean, Janusz Kaminski, Oscar-winning cinematographer. Today, the Emmy nominations were announced today. And one of my all-time favorite alums, Jeff Jur, is nominated for, for Outstanding Cinematography for Bridgerton. And this man... Oh, yeah. I mean, Bridgerton is like the hottest, coolest show out right now. Jeff graduated in 1976. I mean, he he was the DP on Dirty Dancing. And now he's nominated for Bridgerton. I mean, that is very hip and cool. Yeah. <laughs> for, yeah, our alums are just so cool. We need a we I, need I a trophy it. we need a trophy case I know. Uh, at at the school. I know. Like we could pay <laughs> Because they can buy more trophies. Like we could just pay for the trophies and display them. Like just, nothing's just more impressive. Get some fake Oscars and Emmys and <laughs> engrave yeah. them and yeah. put them in a yeah. trophy case at Columbia. That's funny. Well, 
this is fantastic. I mean, the alums and the the folks that have been there, whether they've graduated or not, the people that have walked through those doors, attended classes, have gone on to do so many great things, whether they graduate or not, because, you know, Columbia attracts mega talents, kids with whether they have whether it's raw talent or refined talent or not. And even, you know, talent's nothing without ambition and passion. Right. And so, you know, these people are driven, whether you graduated or not. I mean, Kanye, like, <laughs> come on, <laughs> you can't get more, more ambitious than those guys and more passionate than those guys. So this begs another kind of question, which I've wondered about myself. And I think I've answered it in my ways. And I don't know that I'm happy even with my answer, but I'd like to hear it from you because I bet you get this question a lot, which is in, in terms of our competitor set, right? So whether it's SCAD or RISD or Otis or Art Center or Columbia, what schools am I forgetting? You get the point. What is Columbia? How is Columbia unique compared to its competitors? What is Columbia really known for compared to its competitors? And why go to Columbia rather than Savannah or SCAD or RISD? Talk a little bit about what makes Columbia unique relative to the competitive set. That's a really interesting question. And I, I wish I knew more about RISD and SCAD. Yeah. I've never we don't been care to about either one of their We don't want to know about them. <laughs> I know. I, I've never been to either one of their campuses. I think that Columbia's curriculum is a lot more broad. From what I understand of those schools, those are design schools. Columbia is a, a college for any creative person. So you know, it's not only design and visual art, it's also poetry and fiction writing and photography and acting and American Sign Language. We have one of the most amazing American Sign Language interpreting programs in the country. And so our curriculum runs the gamut of every creative aspect there is. Whereas those schools, I believe, are much more focused on visual design. I would also say that being in Chicago is a major, major plus. Our campus is, our main building is right on Michigan Avenue across the street from Grant Park with a view of Lake Michigan. There's just no other college campus has that. Our student center is is new and it's five floors of just a gorgeous building and an amazing setting for students to live and learn and and eat and meditate and work out and get their resumes looked at. And then the vibe at Columbia is just so cool. Like when you get to campus, you just know that there is creativity and talent all around you. It's just the, a cool, cool feeling. Um, in fact, this is going to be very out there soon because Amazon has this show called The College Tour, and they selected Columbia to be one of their episodes. And of course, it's like Amazon budget. So it's, it's high production value. They're shooting this week, and it's going to be a half hour of featuring the campus students, faculty. We have an alum who's going to be featured. And I can't wait to see it because it's going to be stunning. It drops, I think, sometime in October. But yeah, check out the college tour on Amazon. And I'll definitely, I mean, we'll let you know when it comes out. But 
I just can't wait to see how they showcase Columbia because it is, it's going to show you straight away just how amazing our campus is and how amazing our students and faculty are. Well, that's super exciting. That's yes, big news. Um, it it's an exclusive on Not Real Art, people. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Well, how did that come about? I mean, is there an alum involved with the project or you know how it developed? Yeah. the One of the producers contacted our director of admissions on LinkedIn. Fantastic. They yeah. came to us. They wanted, they sought out Columbia and wanted to do an episode on the school. I love when you were talking about the location of the school. And, you know, know, of course, when I went in 92, 93, 94, 93, 94, really, we didn't have that amazing new building. There was no student housing back in those days. But walking to school from my apartment, I always remember, or taking the train, whatever I did, I just always remember being so inspired by the time I got to class because the city of Chicago is so inspiring. And then, of course, I would walk home or take the train home or whatever, and maybe I'd be exhausted or tired or stressed because I knew that I had a bunch of homework or whatever the case might be. But I got home inspired because of the city of Chicago, because it has such a powerful and compelling energy about it. And so I I look forward to seeing how they, they feature Columbia in this because, of course, Columbia... The campus is the city of Chicago. I bet this thing's going to look so great. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see what they do. And I have the same feeling. And I was coming from the suburbs when I was at Columbia. So just to get on that train and it pulls into Union Station was just, I mean, the feeling was just overwhelmingly cool just to climb up the steps from Union Station and you're on the streets of Chicago on Jackson and walking those several blocks over to campus. It was just you know, you just felt like the coolest person on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, re- I remember that feeling. Mm-hmm. It's a good feeling. It's a very, very good yeah. feeling. So I don't remember, and I'm too much whiskey since 1994, I guess, but I don't remember all of the courses that we had. I mean, I remember that, of course, there was dance, there was music, there was radio production, TV and film, there was writing, there was arts management, which, you know, maybe was music business, things like that. Of course, there was visual arts. There was, you know, there were performing arts. Thank you. We had our student radio station because, you know, we had the broadcast. So how has the programming evolved at Columbia because, of course, when I graduated in 94, the internet was not even really a thing. I mean, it was starting to become a thing. So digital must be huge now. Gaming must be huge now. VR, AR. I mean, talk to me a little bit about the curriculum, the programs today, because I know it must be much more robust than it was when I went in the 90s, and it was robust then. Well, Columbia does a great job of keeping up with technology and the fields in which we are training our students. So yes, you're right. We do have a major interactive arts and media. Kids can major in video games. You can major in video game design. We also have a really fun major that wasn't there when I was there, but I think that if it was, I would have gone right into it. Comedy studies. I mean, come on. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Who how doesn't want to just major in hilarity? <laughs> I'd like to major in the funny, please. Exactly. Right. It's in the theater department, but yes, it's comedy studies. That's the program that A.D. Bryant graduated out of. And what else? So we have, there's podcasting classes. 
There's a student-run wow. podcast. I, and uh, full, full disclosure, I did yeah. not take any of those <laughs> classes. <laughs> you could probably tell. No, you've got a great podcast. In fact, yeah, I'm going to introduce you to one of our podcasting teachers and get you guys talking because I think you would just love to hear from you and have his students hear from you. So technology-wise, I would say the video game is a big one, virtual reality courses. And of course, I'm not like the most technically inclined person. So I'm sure that there's classes that just really get down to the nitty gritty, user experience, really technical. It's not, yeah, it's you not you and my me both. language. <laughs> yeah. And I'll save you here. And, and Remember, and I was a history because... and aesthetics major. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I mean, you know, I'm older than you, but we're also kind of cut from the same generation. But yeah, uh, totally. We were pre-digital. I mean, we were analog. Mm-hmm. We, we saw the internet and, ca- well, I remember cable TV <laughs> coming on and like, whoa, same. that MTV? Are you kidding me? MTV? Same. So I I'm come from like more of a tangible kind of background. You know, I do love a book. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it is weird for me to read on an iPad. It is. I do like live concerts, going to a dive bar to hear a band. I don't necessarily want to just stream the stuff on Spotify or watch them. And so we're, it's a different, we're of a different generation. So I hear you. Like, while I have mad respect, and by the way, I've, you know, I've had some cool AR experiences and VR experiences, I have mad respect for it all. If somebody came to me and said, would you want to work in those in that field? I would just pass because I appreciate it, but I'm not passionate about it. And these young kids, they grow up digital. And so it's their reality and their world. And so for Columbia to be able to create programs for them to explore their passions and their culture, which is so core to their culture and how they grew up is is a huge. Well, and also video games are a multi-billion dollar industry. Video games make more money than film and television. So it's not just let's follow your passion. It's follow the money, like make a career out of this video Mm -hmm. game Mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember Asteroids. Do you remember Asteroids? I do remember Asteroids, and but my favorite was Burger Time. Burger Time. (laughs) I remember that. I do remember that. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The one Atari and and in television, I think, was the other one. And well, was, I mean, Super Mario Brothers was, will always be the classic. Oh my God, totally. Yeah, totally. we're we're very took, solid here. Gen X, Scott. So <laughs> totally Gen X. So we're jumping around here a little bit. The show isn't about me; it's about you, and it's about Columbia. But we're both Midwesterners, right? We're both right. from Chicago uh, land area, and so you'll appreciate this as a parent as well. So we took my kids over Fourth July holiday back to see my mom, and so my kids who are eight and four got their first real authentic like 4th of July, Midwest 4th of July kind of experience, right? And so one of the cool things that I got to do, several cool things I got to do is I got to take my kids to this arcade out by my mom's that, you know, I grew up going to. Of course, now all the games are super high tech and whatever, but the fact that I got to play Ride the Go-Karts with my <laughs> with my kids, uh, the same track that I did you know, when I was a kid. I mean, it was super, super cool. Oh, I love that. Where was it? Well, that actually, so my mom, so I grew up in Portage, Indiana. So I was born in Gary, okay. Indiana, grew up in Portage, Indiana. My mom now lives in a town adjacent to Portage called Hobart, Indiana. But this arcade was in Valparaiso, Indiana, which you okay. probably know because Valparaiso you know, University is there. Right. And right. So did they love it? Oh my God, they loved it. My son, my son, my son, 
he and I go the first day because my daughter couldn't go. And then so he and I went and and then so the next day, next morning over breakfast, my son goes, Dad, I want to go back to the happy place. And I said, the happy place. He goes, you know, with the games, (laughs) the happy place. Yeah. Yeah. I think he had a good time. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So. So video game design, AR, VR, anything mm-hmm. digital, anything tech. Um, yeah. If you're creative and you're wanting to explore these things and create cutting edge, state of the art, innovative experiences for consumers moving forward, Columbia is, is a fantastic place to start your career. I mean, because, you know, it might be a college, but you're really starting your career there. For sure. And that's another great thing about Columbia is that you can really jump right in to your major. A lot of people have told me that they went to Columbia as film students because you could touch a camera right off the bat. Whereas there are schools, film schools, where you have to study film and theory and philosophy and stuff for two years before they even let you touch a camera. So, I mean, if you want to make a film, you want to get your hands on a camera. Columbia is a place where you can really jump into your career, jump into your major and just start creating right away. Yeah. It's a philosophical debate, isn't it? Because I can, you know, some schools are like our school, you know, has Mm -hmm. its kind of legacy and its heritage, which is really practical, right? Yes. It's hands on. It's roll up your sleeves, which is also very Midwestern, right? Like, (laughs) like, you know, like Columbia College does reflect those Midwestern sensibilities and values of roll up your sleeves, get get going, get busy, get get it done versus, you know, some schools who may want to intellectualize and debate for a while before they, they start uh, actually getting dirty, if they ever actually truly want to get dirty. Right. <laughs> um, for those students, and everyone's different, but for those students who would love to get going and get busy and actually start doing and making and creating – Columbia College is the perfect place because you get to do that from day one. It is such a good school. And I I know that I'm biased, but I want my kid to go there. Any student that goes to Columbia who's passionate about the creative field that they want to be in, it is such a good school. Not only because you have fantastic faculty who work in their field, You have a cool, creative group of people around you. The resources that Columbia offers in terms of like our career center, any number of like cool student organizations and clubs, being able to participate in Manifest every year, which is our huge end of year student run street festival, just celebrating every single major is just phenomenal. So if anybody is interested in going into anything creative, Columbia is a really, really good school to consider. So, the, okay. So this is, there's a couple of things I want to talk about because you mentioned, well, first of all, you mentioned Manifest, which by mm-hmm. the way, I couldn't be more jealous because Manifest <laughs> didn't exist when yeah. I went there. I don't know by what year it launched, but you took me there a couple of years ago. Right. You, you asked me to come out and, and check it out. And I'll tell you what, I couldn't have been more delighted and more jealous because- it is such a fantastic event, so fun, and it is such a practical way for students to apply their learnings and their schooling and their craft in a real way, in a real world way that helps them build their experience and build their CV and so on and so forth. Because this is a full on street festival, like 
totally pro Mm-hmm. Live performances, vendors, parades, art installations, on and on, and all put on by the students, 100%. Totally student run. Right. Yeah. So, not only is it for the artists that are showing their work, it's such an amazing experience for the students who are learning how to produce an event on this scale. Manifest is awesome. And for the past two years, it's been online, which has actually been pretty cool because Manifest traditionally in person is just all one day and you kind of have to, there's just no way to see everything. But being virtual, it was, you know, it was for a full week and you could just go and check in and go watch short films on your own time, go read some PR pitches on your own time and then check in for the live performances too. So they definitely made it work for the pandemic, but I know that we're all looking forward to another in-person manifest. Yeah. Well, that was, that that was going to be another question I had for you, but since it Mm -hmm. came up now, I'll, I'll ask it. How did Columbia adapt during COVID? I mean, cause I know every school, you know, whether it was my daughter's school or my son's school or my friend's kid's school or so every school handled it differently and some schools did it better than others and and Mm -hmm. you know i'm guessing some colleges did it better than others it it was a challenging time for everybody how did columbia fare and clearly the example of manifest is an interesting one i mean the students adapted pivoted and adapted manifest to to the times hats off kudos to them and by the way it's worth pointing out right that they were able to do that in part because of their training in digital and training and and tech to be able to take this physical environment this physical experience and then manifest it online <laughs> which is remarkable and that had to their schooling and education and training had to help them uh, do that successfully but no judgment here i'm just curious mm-hmm. like how did columbia fare in the pandemic migrating to online schooling? I would say that that Columbia fared probably at the higher level of what colleges across the country did. Because we have such talented students and talented faculty and the just phenomenal leadership of our president, Dr. Kwangu Kim, we were able to pivot, get the students all situated safe You know, a lot of students had to go home. The dorms were shut down. Obviously, classrooms were shut down. And classes were just able to get online. And also, our class sizes are fairly small. So it's not like one of those colleges where you have a class of 500 students. And then what do you do with that class on a Zoom call? Whereas if you have a class of 15 students, it's a lot more, it's a lot easier to get people to get on a Zoom and still be able to connect with each other. Even, I mean, obviously it's not ideal. And I know that the students were lonely and my my heart super, like really, really breaks for the classes of 20 and 2021. To have to graduate in a pandemic is just, I mean, I know that those those seniors in 2020 just had it so hard. But Columbia really was able to to just step up, give the best education that they could get given the circumstances, do tons of renovation on the buildings. We had to have like new HVACs and 
you know how places are doing like in this way and out that way i mean you know all kinds of like signage and testing was immediately available for all students and faculty and staff you've been able to get the covid vaccine on campus now for quite some time and i will also tell you that in terms of our enrollment you would assume that enrollment would just plummet but it didn't we definitely went down a little bit but it wasn't nearly as bad as a lot of the other colleges around the city so i mean i don't have like the exact statistics or percentage points but it's something like our enrollment for the fall of 2020 went down by like maybe 2 or 3% whereas other colleges around the city were going down by 12 so i mean it is a testament to the the school that people still want to come to columbia so losing students of course was the biggest fear and we did lose some but it definitely wasn't as bad as anybody had anticipated. It'll be fascinating to see, and I'm sure you guys are already observing it, but how the last two years is influencing and impacting the kids' work, right? So Mm -hmm. like, and I'm not just talking about the pandemic, COVID, I'm talking about even the social justice uh, issues. Certainly Chicago was a front line of, of a lot of debate and, and resistance and, and rioting and so on and so forth, and a lot of it for good reason. So artists and creatives, writers, musicians, communicators of all kinds are going to be influenced by these events. And it'll be interesting to see how that manifests itself and comes out in the work of the students this year and next year, because we're all changed people as a result of it. But these student artists are going to I suspect their work is going to be impacted by this. I think it's going to be fascinating. I'm already seeing it in the people that have just graduated in class of 2020, class of 2021, particularly in journalism and photography. And I really can't wait to see, talking about Manifest, to see the photography exhibit next year, because I think it's just going to be, it's always phenomenal. I think it's just going to be really fantastic this upcoming year. But you're right. I think that, yeah, I can't wait to see the work that comes out of of these recent graduates. I don't know when it was. It it was certainly towards the end of my time there. So I guess that would have been spring of 94. There was a window display on the building on Michigan there at Balboa, right? Is it Balboa? Mm -hmm. Balboa. Yeah. Right. And it's it was, you know, as our students do, right, just super cool sort of window display. And it posed a question in the window. And the question was something like, who will create the culture of the future? Wow. Columbia College, right? And, yeah. And I remember seeing that thinking like, well, I am. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because, yes. because as a Columbia College student, I knew what they meant by that window display. It was it was a call to action and maybe it was a marketing message to help enrollment or something, but it was a provocative question for any passersby who is going to create the culture of the future. But it was just such a powerful question. And I remember seeing that as a student thinking, well, I am because I go to Columbia and like I'm a creative and artist. And that is the role that artists and creatives and makers and creators and producers have, we make the culture. That's what Columbia is. You know, Columbia is a culture 
factory. Well, it's actually part of our mission statement says that we're training our students to author the culture of their times. That's part of our mission statement. Right. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> that maybe that was the mission statement back then too. Maybe that's why the window was clearly set, the inspiration. Know, but, authoring. You yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. Authoring the culture of their time. Well, so it's interesting because when I was going to school there, as I recall, we didn't use the word creatives. We didn't use the word creator or maker. Right. Uh, it was artist, designer, dancer, photographer more narrow or more specific, right? So I was a dancer, a photographer, a designer, or an artist, or a painter, or fashion designer, what have you. Now we use these terms that are more broad, creative, creator, maker. How is this parlance uh, in jargon? What does the school say? And, and how does the school talk about this? I mean, are these words that are part of like the school parlance now and and do we, and I've often wondered, I mean, what's the difference between a creative and a creator and a maker? Is there a difference between these? And if so, what? Because I know these are new words for me. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. What, what are your thoughts about these new words that we, that we use? I particularly like referring to Columbia as a college for creatives, because if you think about it, a creative doesn't necessarily mean that you are an artist in the traditional sense. You like you could be a cre- a creative, but maybe you're not going out there and painting murals or writing poetry. But you can also be creative in almost any career. So, like I mentioned the air traffic controller before, we have a lot of alumni, a decent segment of our alumni who went to Columbia, got their degree, and are now doing something that people wouldn't necessarily think as of as a creative career, like nursing or being a therapist or creating a, a natural food bar. But those alums that are in those positions say that they use their creative degree every single day because it really is about finding creative ways to problem solve. So Columbia is training students not just in the technical aspects of drawing, writing, fashion design, etc. We're training our students to solve problems in a creative way. And that's what companies are looking for. We have companies like tech companies that come to Columbia that want to hire our students because they need creative minds working amongst scientists and mathematicians and really super technical people. They also need creative people to make their companies successful. So I think that that's where the College for Creatives really comes into play. And I think that Columbia really exemplifies that phrase. In talking to artists over the years, you know, I've often asked, visual artists in particular, but I've often asked, what was the value of art school? What did you get out of art school? And oftentimes I've heard the artists say, going to art school taught them how to see, Mm. how to see. Right. Okay. Uh, now that makes sense, right? If you're a visual artist, painter, illustrator, maybe designer, sculptor, whatever. But of course, connected to that is critical thinking. Right. 
And my God, if the world needs anything right now, it's people with independent minds, the ability to think critically and see anew. That's the value, I think, of a Columbia College education because those creatives that go, whether you're a designer, photographer, artist, dancer, writer, what have you, whatever creativity, whatever kind of creativity you personify in the world, going to Columbia College is going to teach you how to see and how to think critically and how to think independently. And those are the skills, attributes, and talents that solve those unsolvable problems because you get to see how one plus one equals three when when no one else could, right? Right. I mean, it's going to probably, scientists are working on climate change, but creatives are probably going to be the ones that come up with the real solutions to climate change that will coincide with what the scientists are working on. It's just, you're right, one and one, one plus one equals three. That's the creative thinking, the critical thinking that we are training our students to do that they will then go out into the world and solve these horrifying issues that our world faces today. Yeah. I've often said, I mean, there's really not a problem that creativity can't solve. Yeah. Because here's the deal. Like you can have the Columbia College graduate may not solve climate change on their own, but if you put them around a table with a scientist, with an engineer, this multidisciplinary team. That Columbia College student is going to be able to process the data, process the the inputs in a different way right. and and be able to connect the dots in a way that that others cannot and come up with novel solutions that others cannot. Exactly. That's where we come back to these new phrases, creatives, creator, that kind of thing, where instead of being as specific as artist, we're creative. Yeah. Well, and you know, listen, I'll end with the story because it's a story that I like to tell a lot. And I think some of the listeners are out there going like, not again, sourdough. <laughs> I'd like to tell because it's such a poignant story, but there's a book, maybe you've heard of it. It's called Orbiting the Giant Hairball. And it's written by Gordon McKenzie. And Gordon was the chief creative officer at Hallmark Cards for years. Gordon's not with us any longer, but Gordon uh, wrote Orbiting the Giant Hairball, which is really about, at its core, how do you maintain your artistic integrity in a, when you work in a corporate organization, right? So he was the chief creative officer for Hallmark Cards. Like, how was he going to maintain his creative integrity working in this company? So really dynamic, smart guy, super creative guy. And he would give back. He would go and speak to school kids in various grades. And, and he always started his talks with the same question. The question was this, who here is an artist? And so, of course, in kindergarten, he would ask that question and every kid raised their hand. Every kid in the room was an artist. Well, first grade, asked the same question, maybe three quarters of the room raised their arm. By third grade, he would say that there was like one kid in the back that would raise their hand. The one kid in the back, oh, they're an artist. So the question is, what are we doing? Right to our kids, what are we doing in our education system that squeezes this natural born desire to create and be artists? It's all in us, it's all there. We're all creatives, we're all artists on some level. Society and education, any number of things, you know, does a great job of squeezing it out of us. 
but it is still deep down in there. And some of us managed to stick with it and keep going in places like Columbia College help nurture it and help us make us bigger and stronger and better. And I think that's the message that we have to keep promoting and, and organizations like Columbia have to keep promoting because if, if everybody embraced their creative genius inside, a lot of these problems, societal problems would exist. They'd get resolved. Thank goodness for organizations like Columbia who you know are working so hard to nurture these minds so that we can solve some of these unsolvable problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yes. Sarah Schroeder, you're the best. I'm so glad that you <laughs> came to play podcast with me tonight. Thanks, uh, it, it is so fun. I so look forward to us actually having lunch someday. Right. Let's we'll make I that mean, happen. Someday. 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 And yeah, uh, we will. sooner rather than later now that we're mm-hmm. sort of coming out of this COVID time, hopefully uh, we'll continue to open up and people will be safe and, and sound and whatnot. But I'm so grateful for your time. You've got a busy week ahead of you. Well, what's your week look like this week, Sarah? What companies are you placing our alums at this oh, week? Oh, gosh. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> right. Offhand, can't think of anywhere where I'm placing anyone. And I do want to say that in these creative fields, you know as well as I do that placing someone in a job just simply doesn't happen. I can yep, yep. set it up, but no, you know, that's right. it's up to that's them. Right. There's no placing you're, someone in a creative position. No, 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 position. no. That's right. You 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 you're a you're a connector. You're connecting people <laughs> right. for meetings and let right. let if they fall in love, they fall in love. <laughs> right. I'll tell you what something I'm working on this week is we are having a new alumni orientation towards the end of the summer where we're going to invite the classes of 20 and 2021 to, we haven't come up with the entire event yet, but I'm working with some young alumni and putting together a committee of young alums to make sure that we can let these new grads know that their Columbia alumni community is there for them and to get them engaged right from the start. So that's definitely something that I'm I'm putting a lot of thought into this week. I'm starting to work on that. And we're also launching a brand new alumni network in the fall. So yeah, we're that's putting exciting. together the... Yeah, it's going to be cool. And there's going to be a really awesome mentoring component, which is something that we've been working on for a really long time. It's going to be this great new platform that we're going to get, and we're going to populate it with students and populate it with alumni. And, you know, I hear all the time that alumni want to mentor students. So it's it's going to be a really great, great platform for us to be able to most effectively match students with alums for mentoring. So those are the big things that I'm working on. And then I've got a couple coffee meetings. I'm actually going to meet with one of the filmmakers from the Pandemic Film Fest that we had Yay. in the fall. Nice. Uh, yeah, so that's going to be, yeah, that's going to be great. I, I made swag bags for all of the film finalists. But of course, because of COVID, I haven't been able to give those to them. So that's, that's something that I've been making the rounds doing. Yeah, so that's, that's my week. That's a full week. You got a lot it's on a your plate. Week. Yeah, it's well, that's very typical, right? You're used to that. So, uh Yes. And no it's, half it's days cool. for like, you. <laughs> every week is different, so it's it's always good. Well, yeah, isn't that a blessing right when each week is yes. kind of fresh and new? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Very so cool. Good. 
I well, would not be able to function otherwise. Yes, I know. And that's, again, the blessing of being working in a creative field for mm-hmm. a creative company. You know, every week can be different. And, and yeah. that's uh, usually a blessing, sometimes a curse, but <laughs> it was mostly a blessing. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Well, Sarah Schroeder of Columbia College, thank you for joining us on the Not Real Art Podcast. We know you're thank busy you. and you've been so generous with your time. And we look forward for you to come back. Will you come back sometime? I would love to. Yeah. Thanks a lot. This was super fun. It was my first podcast. So Yay. thanks for, uh, thanks for I, making it We didn't it good scare you too much. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> hey, it was my first podcast too. So it makes two of us. Oh, okay, great. Um, <laughs> all right, my friend. Be well. Have a great night. All right. Thanks. Bye. Hey there. Thanks for tuning in. Please be sure to like this episode, write a review, and share with your friends on social. And if you haven't already done so, please. Press the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram at NotRealArtWorld.